And because Jesus loves even the Pharisees so much, he starts telling stories. He says, well, I'll go around the back door and see what I can get done that way. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Our scripture this morning comes from Matthew 13, 10 through 17. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed lest they, they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are, are indeed thankful this morning, Lord, on this Father's Day. We're, we're thankful for our fathers, and uh, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for my father and the example that he set for our family uh, and his love for the church and specifically our church here. Lord, I just uh, thank you for that. Lord, um, a special prayer uh, for our nation today as we are continuing to fight disease and continuing to have unrest. We just pray that the Holy Spirit will, will heal, uh, heal us physically and, and heal us mentally as well. Lord, we thank you for the rain you have given us uh, this past week and Lord, uh, we, we need more and, uh, as, as it is still dry, and we just uh, uh, pray for more, Lord. Lastly, Lord, I just pray you be with Ryan today as he uh, and Amberly both, they, they lead our, our church, and we are uh, so thankful for them. And I just pray you be with, with Ryan now as he delivers the message to us and, again, open our eyes and let our ears be open to what he has to say to us today. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Jay. <clears throat> Good morning again. So I could, uh, 
I started to borrow Jenny's guitar, but I'm going to spare you. I could get up here and I could sing the beginning lines to a few songs from a few different genres, and some of you would perk up for different reasons. You know, I could start with the first line of Amarillo by Morning and Up from San Antonio, and half of you would just really perk up, and I could sing um, You Belong Among the Wildflowers, and some of you would perk up, and I could sing, uh, well, I, you know, I could shout, you know, like a Megadeth song, and some of you would perk up, and so there's a lot of different ways that I could speak uh, your language, and uh, so there's, you know, there's music, there's art, there's film, there are the stories that we tell, the books that we read, and there's so many great stories out there, and all of these stories speak to us in the places where we kind of, for most of the week, most of the time, we kind of have covered up just to get on about our business. And it was great being out with some young men that have just graduated from high school and being with some of us older guys. And it's amazing how the conversations just are really about the same things. We're just talking about different movies <laughs> and we're talking about different songs, but we're all saying the same thing. Man, you didn't you love that movie because this? And don't you love that song because this? And isn't that band great because of this? And so we just talk about art that way. We talk about the things that move us and those things really transcend age. They transcend culture. They transcend ethnicity. They transcend all of the different things that we just have around us, and they help us talk to one another. That's why stories are so wonderful. No one knew this better than Jesus, who spoke at this point in the gospel, in Matthew's gospel, as he's here by the lake and he begins to open his mouth and speak in parables. Roughly one-third of Jesus' work of teaching in the gospels is parable roughly one-third. And I was trying to think, you know, is the third of my speech story and parable, or is, a third, is it more like 95% declarative sentences and the rest story? Well, Jesus was a master at storytelling, and he knew that there were times when declarative sentences and direct statements just wouldn't cut it, that there were people that needed to hear the gospel, and they had tuned out that part of the deal. They were Jewish people, they were catechized, they knew the law, they knew God, they had been introduced to God, but they had wandered and their hearts were hard. And the normal teaching that Jesus was going about, you know, he missed them with the Sermon on the Mount, they got mad, he missed them with some other teaching. And because Jesus loves even the Pharisees so much, he starts telling stories. And he says, well, I'll go around the back door and see what I can get done that way. Parables are like riddles. They're like mysteries, and you have to have a key to unlock them. They're, they're a revelation. And it's beautiful because the parables that Jesus tells are not just unlocked for the super smart. They're not just unlocked for those that have had everything go their way in life. They're unlocked for the humble. They're unlocked for the seekers, for those who are still exploring, who know that they don't have it figured out. And the minute someone walks in and says, I've got this still figured out, the parable is closed to them. The riddle is unavailable to that person. And we know what that's like on both sides. The beauty of Jesus explaining why he teaches in parables is that he's not giving up on Israel. He's not giving up on God's people. You'll see that the parable, the story that Jay read for us goes back and forth where the disciples say, uh, Jesus, why are you speaking to them in parables? And they're talking about 
all of Israel, why are you talking to all of our people in parables all of a sudden? Because there's a lot of people that are just kind of tuning Jesus out and a lot of people that are hungry to hear more. And Jesus continues to fish in those hard-to-reach places. And that is one of the amazing things about Christ. His response to a hard heart is not immediately, well, too bad they had their chance. But it's, I'm going to see if I can figure this out a little differently. I'm going to go a different way. When Jesus encounters a dull heart, and we know what it's like to have a dull heart. When he encounters a dull heart, and this is good news for us, his first response is to reach out a little bit differently. Now, if it goes on to obstinate and just keeps you know, pushing in the face, then there's another response later. But Jesus' first response is to reach out differently to us. Uh, Franz Kafka once said that a good story or a good book, if this book we are reading does not wake us as with a fist hammering on our skull, I know that's a nice image, uh, then why do we read it? You know, if it's not something that really gets to us and wakes us up, then why are we reading it? There's enough good books out there. You don't have to read the bad ones. A book, he says, must be like an ice axe to break the frozen sea within us. Isn't that beautiful? If you've ever had to break ice for a livestock situation, you know you've got to get through the ice to get what's underneath. Uh, many of you maybe have used an ice axe in other parts of the world where we get ice, you know, a lot. Uh, but this frozen sea of potential and heart beneath the surface of the ice in all of us, Jesus is breaking through that ice. He's chipping away one story at a time. So what stories are we learning? As those who are receiving the gospel and sharing the gospel, which stories are we learning? Which ones are we paying attention to? Do we have the hard-hearted in mind as we gather stories and communicate with our children and nourish our own souls? Because the key is that Jesus doesn't want anyone to miss out on the kingdom of heaven. And what's the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is just wherever Jesus is and whatever Jesus is up to, and the things that look like the way that Jesus is in the world, that's the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus explains to the disciples, well, I'm telling these stories for this reason and that reason, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And then he makes this statement, for the one who has, more will be given, and and he will have an abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. It sounds kind of mean at first, but it's really just kind of the basic way that we learn things. It's sort of like if you can imagine yourself, you've been driving and you've been a little bit lost and you don't know where you are on the map. This is, you know, pre-GPS days or maybe when you're traveling and your GPS is not working because you're in New Mexico and it doesn't work in half of New Mexico or whatever. I can say that because I'm from New Mexico, so easy before you get mad. Um, But if you've ever been backpacking and you're looking for trails and you're looking at your topographic map and you're trying to find your way through and look around and... You reach that point and you go, uh-oh, uh, we were supposed to be on this trail, but there's a landmark there that's on that other trail, so I'm not real sure. So if you keep going in that direction, it's like Jesus is saying, if you're lost, if you're on the wrong trail, you're just going to get more lost and more confused. These parables are just going to cr- drive you crazy. They're going to confuse you. But if you're searching and you're looking and you're moving on the right path, you're just gonna, there's going to be more joy and more revelation. I brought with me today one of my favorite things in the world, uh, a, f- a framing square. And uh, this, this framing square is, is special to me because we used it on our Rockport mission trip. So some of our graduating seniors this year and some of you, even my own daughter, we got to cut. I see some smiles out there. And bringing back bad memories is probably like uh, shock therapy here. But um, we, we cut sheetrock with this thing. We, we did a lot with it. And uh, 
But a framing square is, is so handy for uh, one of the things I use it for is when I hang a new door. Because when you hang a new door, the first thing you got to go in is make sure that the framers got the framing right. And if you're working on an old house, that's nine times out of ten, it's a little off. So you got to go in there and you shim it up and fix it a little bit. Because if your framing is off, your door's going to be off. And if your door's off on the hinge side, then on the latch side, it's just going to be a mess. So you use the framing square to try to figure out, you know, is this, can I, do I need to move the frame or do I need to cut the door like a trapezoid so it'll fit and close in all the places? And so you got to find that out early. And an eighth of an inch at the top of the door is nothing. But over a seven-foot door, an eighth of an inch makes a big difference. It starts getting worse and worse. So Jesus is just saying, look, if you're off an eighth and you're on the wrong deal, it's going to be a crooked old door when you get done. But if you're square when you start, you're going to love this thing. So when we're on the path, and, it, and the key back in is always humility. The key back in is always listening. Just, it doesn't require us to have a PhD in everything that Jesus has ever said. It just requires us to listen and to have open hearts. So Jesus is like, when the heart is closed, I'm, I'm going around a different way. And again, the beauty of the gospel and the way that Matthew tells this story, and, and he's speaking to a largely Jewish audience, and his heart for his people comes out, and he's telling Jesus' story here. And Jesus quotes Isaiah, and he says, look, this, they're fulfilling, everybody's fulfilling what Isaiah said a long time ago. He said, you're going to hear, but you're not going to understand. And you're going to see, but you're not going to perceive. He said, this people... God's people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. Their eyes they have closed. But then Isaiah, and Jesus quoting him, says, Lest they should see with their, eye, their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, and in turn I would heal them. That word lest, I think, is one of the most important words in this whole deal. Jesus is telling us, look, I'm not just telling the stories to, to be mean, I'm not quoting Isaiah to say, see, you guys would be hard of heart, and some of y'all just were never going to figure it out. Tough luck for you. He says that word lest, it leaves the door open, the possibility of a hard heart becoming a soft heart, of somebody's ice over their heart being broken, to get down to the level of belief and love and affection and desire. And Jesus is willing to go there time and time again, lest they see with their eyes. And hear with their hearts, understand with their heart, I would heal them. In verse 13, Jesus says, The reason I speak to them in parables is because their hearts are hard. Now, this is a little bit different. When we talk about, when we go through Mark next year, uh, Mark tells the story just a little bit differently. Mark says, Mark has Jesus saying, I tell these parables so that they won't get it. Like, I'm, I'm trying to confuse the situation. They're driving me crazy. And I want to make sure that the people that are just kind of Johnny come lately trying to sneak in here, that they're going to be really confused with this. It sounds muddled. Mark is just trying to make it a little more messy uh, for, for us to, to come in that way. But Matthew tells it differently. He says, Jesus says, I tell these stories because they're hard. Their heart is hard. Because I see a hard heart, I'm going to tell a story. I think we get the nature of the gospel. I think we get the nature of Jesus when we look at it that way. The parables open our hearts to see and to live the kingdom of heaven. That's their main purpose, is so that we can see and understand the kingdom of heaven that we didn't see before. 
And I think another reason that Jesus tells the parables, and, and if you think about when it was written and the church is already born and things are rolling and struggles are real, the parables are for us too to remember that this was never going to be easy, that hard hearts are just part of the deal. You know, last week we looked at the parable and the hard soil, and that's just part of it. So the encouragement comes where Jesus says, hey, there's been this way all along. You shouldn't be surprised, but don't be discouraged. you got to stay after it. you got to keep telling the stories. you got to keep working the angles because the kingdom of heaven is not all sunshine and daisies. That's why kids get it, and we miss it sometimes. The kingdom of heaven is something that we have to be trained to recognize. Uh, it's, it's something that we learn to see usually when we're having a hard time. It's usually something that we see when we're a little bit down on our luck and something that, at least for me, I tend to ignore when I think things are going great. The kingdom of heaven is there for the seeing, for the attention, to believe. It's good stories. It's when you see a good story and you know that's the kingdom of heaven. You watch a teacher interact with a kid all year and you see the fruit of that, maybe not now, but maybe when that kid is older and they're raising their kids, and you go, that's the kingdom of heaven. You see it in a life well-lived, in a vocation well-served. You see it in all those things. You see it in good lives that were lived well. I was trying to think of a place in time, a, a story, kind of a Father's Day story that would remind me of a place where I'd seen, seen the kingdom of heaven before. And uh, it's a great opportunity to, to uh, pick on my dad uh, because I remembered a story and in and, and this way, my dad was not very wordy. He didn't talk about this stuff a lot. Uh, but we had a ministry in our, our little church that I grew up in, in Clovis, New Mexico. And I think we called it Let's Talk Turkey, which I have no idea why it was called Let's Talk Turkey. But uh, we could have come up with a more trendy name that would have been better on a T-shirt or something. But really what we were doing was just delivering turkeys and the makings of, a, of an entire turkey dinner to people that didn't have enough to... to have a full-on turkey dinner. So we would take these ahead of time and find out things in the neighborhood. And then uh, right before Thanksgiving, we would all meet at the church and we would load up our pickups and our cars and we would all have a list and we would all go deliver these boxes to these families. And it was a very eye-opening experience, eye-opening experience for me as a kid because I, I'd never been chased by a pit bull before. Um, you know, I'd never, there was a lot of fun stuff. You learn about how you go, how you walk up to a front door and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, yeah, I remember jumping over a chain link fence. I'm like, what is going on here? I was just, I'm trying to help you. Uh, but I remember my dad, somehow or another, he, he learned of this, this family. And I, I don't remember if the bike was just there and it was all torn up or if he had been talking to the mom and he figured it out. But there was this little boy who was very different than my dad. He had a different color skin and a different, lived in a different part of town. And, um, and they, there was an interaction there, and, and, and I didn't hear anything else about it. And I noticed that afternoon, Dad was in the garage, and he was pulling out this bike frame. And he was working on it, and he was putting on new tires, and he was cleaning the chain, and he was cleaning up the handlebars, and he fixed the brakes, and he was doing all this stuff. And I, I was like, I've never seen Dad work on a bike before. I didn't know what he was doing. And um, a little later, I realized he was fixing that bike up to take back to that kid. And so uh, he never said anything about it, but I watched him do it. And I think back and I go, that's the kingdom of heaven. That's when you notice it is when you see things like that. Dads are storytellers. When we're at our best, we are storytellers. That's part of our job. 
Uh, we don't have a lot of the hard stuff in parenting, especially early on, but we, we learn. I mean, moms do it too, but dads, like, we're, we're not always, it's, it's kind of awkward, and, and maybe it's, my kids will probably tell you it's always awkward, but we just learn, you know, we learn how to tell stories, and that's part of it. You know, you tell your kids these goofy stories that you make up about squirrels, in my case, or you make up about, you know, a desert climate, and there's a hawk, and there's a rattlesnake, and I don't know what, what kind of stories y'all make up to tell your kids. A lot of times you're just trying to bribe them to go to sleep, but, you know, we tell stories to our kids. That's part of our work. We tell them to our grandkids, and it's never too late to tell stories. And then we tell stories of real people that we know. We tell stories of our dads and other people's dads that we know, and we inspire young people by doing that. If you want to know who the great storytellers are, you kind of just have to tune in to Netflix. Uh, you can go to the movies. You can look at Pixar. I was having a conversation with one of our members a couple of weeks ago about how Pixar never tells a bad story. They never tell a bad story. And you might have to watch it a hundred times, and you may get real tired of it because your kid may be into it. But you look at their latest one, I mean, you look at something like Onward, and you go, that is a great story. They didn't come out with declarative sentences. They told a story. And it reaches down beneath the ice, and it touches us where we are. So, as we respond to Jesus the storyteller, I'm inviting dads and all of us to learn some stories to brush up on our stories, to go back through the Old Testament, to pick a story, pick Jonah, pick David, pick some place and learn that story and tell it. Tell it with all the different things that you remember and tell it to your kids, tell it to your grandkids. Share it at mealtimes. Uh, one thing that will really expose whether you know the stories of Scripture or not is doing chapel at Children's Stay Out. And I'm going to look around for some nodding heads if you've ever done that. Because those kids, man, they're not buying it. I mean, they, they're tuned in, they're looking at you, and you have to go back. And it's amazing how the details we just forget of the stories. We think, oh yeah, I know the story of David and Goliath. And you go back through the story, you're like, whoa. There's a lot of details I missed in the VeggieTales version. So it's... It's good. you got to relearn the stories to tell the stories. You know, you go back and learn Jonah, and you're like, this is a great story for kids. Like, this is a great story of triumph and how sometimes you miss it on the first round. And it's a dang good thing that God doesn't give up on us. But rather than just saying that, tell the story. They'll figure it out. Because the way Jesus tells stories is so different than the wisdom we pick up. And I mean, the wisdom is good. And we love Proverbs, and we should love Proverbs. And we grow up with the cultural Proverbs like, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. That's really good lesson for survival. You know, don't go chasing crazy stuff when you've already got something in your hand. But what does Jesus do? He comes along and he goes, well, so there was this shepherd, and he had a hundred sheep. And one wandered off. And you're thinking, bird in the hand. Two in the bush, 99 in the pen, one outside, not bad odds. And Jesus says, would you not leave the 99 to go find the one? And you're like, that's not what Aesop said. That's not how that works. You go out and you find the one. That's the gospel. That's what Jesus does. That's how he spends his life. And those are the stories that we tell. I want to close with a story that my friend J.D. Walt tells. And it's, it's about a third grade teacher who gave a creative writing assignment to her class. So do you remember the Aesop's story of the ant and the grasshopper? Do you all remember this story? And so uh, the way it goes is, you know, the, the ant works hard all summer and he saves up food and he just works his tail off and he has it all ready and enough for winter. And the grasshopper just goofs around and 
eats all our wheat all summer or whatever he does. And he comes back in the fall and he says, Mr. Ant, my family and I, I, I played all summer and I didn't save up enough food and, and my family and I are going to starve to death. And uh, I'm really in a bind. I was wondering if you could help me out. And so we're kind of already thinking like how the story ends. And so the teacher asked her class, she says, now I want y'all to write a creative ending to this story. And so they start about their work and this little boy named Mark says, hey, teacher, is it okay if I draw a picture instead of writing a story? And she says, uh, well, it's fine if you draw a picture, but I still want you to write out the ending. So, okay, so the stories start coming in and, and uh, about 25% of them say, uh, well, you know, the, uh, the ant just said, uh, sorry, Mr. Grasshopper, uh, that's, them's the breaks. You should have worked harder. And he shut the door and the grasshopper and his family starved and they died. So that's one telling of the ending of the story. Uh, the rest of the kids told the story. They kind of did the, what I'll call like the veggie tales. God likes it when we share ending. It's like, well, the grass, uh, you know, the ant was really moved by compassion. And he just, he just said, well, you know, grasshopper, it's okay. I mean, I, I've got a little extra in the pantry. We'll just, if we just all share, we kind of all get along and we all just listen to some folk music, we'll be okay. And so just turns it in and, and that's what everybody, and everybody lives happily ever after. And there you go. But she counted the assignments and realized there was one missing, and Mark's assignment was not in yet. And so he slips it over there. And the teacher's a little disturbed. She, uh, she calls the mom, calls Mark's mom, and says, I've been doing this assignment for 15 years, and I've never seen this ending before. And she shows the mom the piece of paper. And this is how Mark finished the story. He said, so the ant gave all his food to the grasshopper, and the ant died. And at the bottom of the paper, Mark had drawn a picture of three crosses and gave it to his teacher. Jesus tells stories because there's a turn. There's a way that the gospel catches us and surprises us. And those are the stories that we tell because it's worth it. It's worth it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.